Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this long-term research evaluating the effects of soil sealing on health of urban trees. I am Italian, and as all Italians, I'm very proud of the place where I live. I'm in the north of Italy, a region which unfortunately is entering in lockdown because of COVID-19 tomorrow, but I hope um, it will be soon over and I'll be back ready to visit some beautiful place we have. In our region, we got beautiful glaciers, particularly in the Stelvio region. We got astonishing lakes. This is Lago Maggiore, but Lago di Como is also very popular in the US. And we had once a wonderful secondary forest covering the whole uh, floodplain uh, in Lombardia region, um, which was made of Quercus, Ulmus, and Carpinus, and was so thick and dense that Romans, at times of the Roman Empire, were calling it uh, Silva Lupanica, the forest of wolves. Actually, my region has changed quite a lot over the last thousand years, and it is now one of the most densely populated and built areas, areas in Europe. Uh, before the 2008 economic crisis, about eight square meters of soil were sealed every second in Italy. And so it really looked like we were going through uh, a future pretty much similar to those uh, depicted in the movie Blade Runner 2049, where all the earth was covered by impermeable surfaces. Fortunately, over the last 10 years, there is growing awareness about the provisioning, regulation, and cultural benefit provided by urban vegetation, uh, which can definitely increase the well being of urban dwellers. So we are starting planting back trees in the cities. We are starting to think uh, cities that integrate trees uh, because the urban environment is extremely different from the natural environment where trees have evolved and adapted. One of the most striking difference is that in cities, the soil is covered by pavement that of course facilitate human activities, but it's still largely unknown how trees can respond of being grown uh, in a paved site, in a site covered with impermeable uh, pavements. What is known is that permeable pavement reduce the amount of rainfall that can infiltrate in the soil. And so uh, they run off increase. And that's something we are starting to know uh, more and more frequently because um, excessive runoff can lead to flash flood problems. It is also thought that because the amount of rainfall that can infiltrate in the soil is decreased, uh, the soil should be drier under pavement than it would be if it was uncovered. And this may predispose trees to water stress. To avoid the issues uh, related to soil sealing, alternative pavements have been developed mainly porous pavement if they are permeable themselves along the entire structure to water or permeable pavement if they are made by impermeable modular elements 
but voids between elements allow the infiltration of water in the soil. So the aim of this research is to understand what happened to a tree when it is grown under these different pavement types uh, for an eight year uh, period. So to achieve this goal, we built in 2011 an experimental field, which was made by 24 uh, subplots. Uh, each subplot, subplots, which was about 50 square meter uh, large, um, had two unpaved planting pits and plastic cylinders were buried through the pavement uh, to the soil to, to allow access to the soil and the measurement of uh, soil parameters. Uh, each plot was divided by the neighboring plots uh, using plastic barrier buried down in the soil to 70 centimeters. The soil uh, at the experimental site had quite a lot of gravel and uh, it was uh, a sandy silt uh, topsoil with a subalkaline pH and uh, an average content of organic matter. So in this field, we imposed four different pavement treatments with six replicates. Uh, we, got, we compared an impermeable design, which was asphalt on a concrete subgrade, a permeable design, which was curved on a crushed rock subgrade, a porous design, which was a inert bound by epoxy resin on a crushed rock subgrade, and finally the control was bare soil kept free of weed uh, using herbicides. In March 2012, uh, plants of Celtis australis and Fraxinus ornus were planted in the field. Uh, we used 24 bold and burlap plants per species, which at planting were 40, 16 cent centimeter circumference. Uh, we choose these species because they have a quite different rooting pattern and also a different uh, mechanism adopted to tolerate environmental stresses. Celtis is an isohydric water spending species, which bases most of its tolerance on the capacity uh, to explore large volume of soil and absorb a lot of water from large volume of soil and carry it efficiently to leaves. On the contrary, Fraxinus is an anisohydric species which bases its tolerance on adjustment occurring at the leaf level. Mainly, uh, it can actively dec uh, decrease the osmotic potential and so absorb uh, the water which is uh, strongly bound to the soil particles. So this is how the field looked like in March uh, to 2012, just after its completion. And these are the environmental conditions the trees had to face over the next years. Um, we got a temperature which was exactly the same as the 30 year average, while rainfall was likely above average. Um, only in 2015 and 2017, we got rainfall which was slightly below the 30 year average. So trees could grow healthy and this is how the field looked like in the early uh, 2020. Well, over these eight years, uh, we carried out 
a lot of measurement to trees and soil. We measure some above ground um, tree attributes that can be related to tree growth. So shoot growth, DBH, uh, plant and canopy height, the area of the drip line and leaf area index, which were measured on all trees. And also we, we focused quite a lot on below ground attributes. We use different methods to uh, estimate the effects of the different pavements on the root system of our trees. Uh, the first method was the use of ground penetrating radar. Actually, we used GPR before in 2014, uh, but trees were still um, very young and very few roots uh, were grown outside the unpaved planting pit and the measurement was not really successful. We did it again in 2020 and this time uh, we used uh, um, uh, radar and the software specifically uh, designed for mapping tree roots, the tree radar unit, and this uh, uh, measurement was conducted in cooperation with Studio Planta. Also, we, we used sonic tomography at Boladix to um, assess the density of coarse roots. Uh, this measurement was done using two different arrangements of the transmitter of the sound, uh, a radial arrangement, which is the one you can see here in the pictures, and a grid arrangement all around the tree. We also tried to find out uh, which species caused the most uh, damage to pavements and which pavements uh, suffer from higher damage. Uh, to do this, uh, we conducted two samplings, one in 2014, uh, two years after the construction of the field, and one in 2020. Of course, in the first sampling, uh, most uh, of trees still had roots within the planting pit, and so the damage recorded so far is unlikely to be due to roots, while in 2020, clearly, we tried to correlate the damage observed to the presence of roots. To do these measurements, all the plots were divided in one per one squares, uh, in 50 one per one squares, and the frequency of squares damaged uh, was counted and recorded. Several um, plant physiological traits have been measured over this experiment. Uh, first is plant water relation, so we measured pre-dawn water potential, sealant water potential, and midday water potential, um, which are key indexes of the hydration of plant tissues. Um, also, combining water potential data with transpiration data from gas exchange, it is possible to calculate the conductivity of the plant to water, because we got the amount of water transpired and the driving force of the process. So combining uh, transpiration and water potential data, we could calculate the conductivity uh, to water of the whole plant, of the root to xylem part of the pathway, and of course, the leaf conductivity to water. Leaf calcium exchange were extensively measured um, from 2013 to 2020, four measurements per year were conducted in May, June, July, and September. Measurements were carried out 
on fully expanded leaves exposed to full solar, solar irradiance and were conducted at uh, 1300 micromoles uh, irradiance, so saturating irradiance and 410 ppm. Very interestingly, we could combine uh, gas exchange measurements to um, light adapted chlorophyll fluorescence measurements. We conducted simultaneous uh, measurements of gas exchange and light adapted chlorophyll fluorescence. And this allowed the calculation of the conductance of the mesophyll to CO2. Uh, usually in gas exchange measurement, uh, we stop um, accounting the CO2 reaching the substomatal chamber combining such uh, two measurements, it is possible to estimate the amount of CO2 effectively reaching the chloroplast and available for photosynthesis. Dark adapted chlorophyll fluorescence parameters were also measured. Uh, the FV over FM, which is a very popular parameter because it's of, it's of simple interpretation, uh, values higher than 0.8 indicate the absence of stress to the photosynthetic apparatus. And finally, we conducted measurements on soil traits. We measure the CO2 efflux from the soil after the plastic cylinders were unsealed for measurement. Uh, we measure soil O2 concentration and volumetric soil moisture, which was recorded at 20 and 45 centimeters below grade. Soil temperature was also measured at 25 centimeters below grade using a temperature probe, while in July 2018, uh, we measured surface temperature using a thermal camera mounted on a UAV. So I'll try to use all these huge amount of information we collected over these eight years to understand a uh, very, to, to answer a very few questions that might be uh, of our interest as arborists. So what happens when we lay a pavement without planting trees? Well, what we realized uh, is that all types of pavement increased soil moisture compared to control. These data were collected in the very first years after planting where when tree roots were still mostly confined to the unpaved planting pit, trees were still small and the contribution of transpiration to soil water balance was uh, likely negligible. So, during these four years, when, when the contribution of tree transpiration to soil water balance was low, uh, we found that permeable pavement was the induced the highest moisture in the soil uh, under the pavement. You can see that um, soil under permeable pavement uh, was often partly saturated so that soil moisture exceeded field capacity. Uh, Impermeable pavements uh, showed very little change in soil moisture throughout the year, while porous pavements were the ones that more um, similarly mimicked the water dynamics, which normally occur in the unpaved soil. So analyzing the soil moisture content and the change 
in soil moisture through the year, we tried to estimate the impact of uh, the different pavement on infiltration of rainfall into the soil, but also on evaporation of water which is in the soil and can evaporate to the atmosphere. We found that impermeable pavement greatly restrict both processes, both infiltration and evaporation, while permeable pavement allow rainwater to infiltrate in the soil, but slow down evaporation. Conversely, porous pavement allow both processes occur very similarly as uh, in control. When water evaporates, uh, it consumes energy. It dissipates each grams of water which evaporates, dissipates 2.46 kilojoule as latent heat. It's heat that is subtracted by urban energy balance. Uh, so transpiration, may, evaporation make the environment cooler. So it's not surprising that pavement, which uh, displayed a higher capacity to allow evaporation of water from the soil, so control and the porous pavement were significantly cooler at surface temperature compared to treatments which hastened evaporation. So impermeable and permeable pavement. And this data observed using a thermocamera was confirmed by temperature measurement at 25 centimeters below grade. You can see in this graph that uh, in soil beneath uh, impermeable and permeable pavement was significantly warmer when compared to control and porous pavement. So every time that we lay down a pavement, a pavement which has an evaporation of soil water, uh, we reduce the amount of heat dissipated as latent heat, and we can trigger a subterranean urbanite island, which is something that I think we definitely don't want. So we need to plant trees. Uh, trees can cast shade. Trees can transpire water from the soil. And uh, so they are very effective in cooling down the environment. Uh, over the years, uh, when I was going to this field for making measurement, it was more and more comfortable uh, as tree grew old because uh, I could spend more time in the shade than in the early phases of this planting. However, how will trees respond to pavements? Will pavement affect tree health? So uh, I start showing you uh, net photosynthesis, the amount of carbon that trees can assimilate from the atmosphere and convert into carbohydrates to be used for growth, defense, and reproduction. So net photosynthesis is a key vital parameter um, for a tree. And this is the grand average of uh, a net photosynthesis, the average of data collected during all the measurement dates. Uh, we can see that uh, Chelties um, show no, had no impact of pavement on photosynthesis. All the treatments were just uh, assimilating pretty much the same amount of carbon, while in Fraxinus, plants growing in permeable and porous pavement had higher photosynthesis than control. Uh, in turn, 
plants growing in asphalt had lower photosynthesis than control. So all pavement in Praxinus increased net photosynthesis except for asphalt. Uh, differences are significant, but as you can see, they are really mild. Uh, it's not a big impact of pavements on photosynthesis. This effect was not due to stomatal limitation to photosynthesis. So um, as it commonly observed in a drought stress of very mild intensity. Uh, during drought, for example, plants close stomata and the amount of CO2 that can uh, get in the leaf uh, decreases and is not enough to supply carbon assimilation need. And this may limit photosynthesis. But in this case, you can see that the uh, amount of CO2 in the substomatal chamber in Fraximus plants growing on asphalt and permeable pavement was even higher than uh, that available to control, excluding stomatal limitation. Conversely, we noticed a, high, a higher drawdown of CO2 from the substomatal chamber to the site of carboxylation, uh, indicating a lower capacity of mesophyll of Fraximus growing in asphalt um, to carry CO2 from the substomatal chamber to the chloroplast. This pathway uh, of CO2 is an active process, which is largely mediated by proteins that can facilitate uh, the diffusion of CO2 within the leaf. Uh, so CO porins, uh, carbonic anhydrase, are typical proteins involved in this. The change observed uh, induced by pavement uh, in Fraxinus for carbon assimilation was not constant throughout the year, but rather become significant at the end of the growing season. In September, you can appreciate the differences between Fraxinus uh, growing in asphalt and control were highly significant. From this graph, we can also appreciate the different strategy of the uh, two species to carry out efficiently photosynthesis throughout the year. Fraxinus had the, uh, a more opportunistic behavior, displaying higher rates uh, of photosynthesis than Celtis when conditions were favorable in May. Celtis instead was more conservative, uh, displaying an increase uh, of photosynthesis going from favorable condition uh, of spring to the warmer and harsher condition experienced during summer. Water relation also confirm the different strategy uh, of the two species to tolerate environmental stresses. You can see how the water potential both at pre-dawn and midday displayed by the isohydric Celtis was far less negative compared to, the, to that displayed by the anisohydric Fraxinus. Again, in Fraxinus, we can see that pavement impacted tissue hydration. In particular, uh, water potential of plants growing in permeable pavement, which was uh, somehow moister compared to other treatments, had more favorable water relation uh, compared to control. Conversely, plants growing in asphalt had more negative 
water potential compared to control, indicating less favorable water relation. Combining such water potential data to transpiration, we could calculate uh, the conductivity of the plants to water. And interestingly, we found big differences between uh, the leaf conductivities of Fraxinus growing in asphalt and that of Fraxinus growing in unpaved soil. And we realized that uh, leaf conductivity was significantly warmer in Fraxinus plants growing on asphalt. Leaf conductivity has been uh, correlated in a very recent work by Sperry et al. Uh, to mesophyll conductance to CO2 diffusion. And both processes appear to be uh, highly dynamic in the plant. The plant can modify uh, them quickly to respond to environmental perturbation. And one of uh, the, the plant signaling that trigger such changes in uh, leaf conductivity and mesophyll conductance is the abscisic acid signaling. Abscisic acid is a key plant feed hormone uh, most re related to root to shoot signaling and to control of uh, stomatal op opening during stress. We did not measure abscisic acid directly, but we measured uh, some compounds, volatile organic compounds, which are from the very same metabolic pathway as abscisic acid. Um, and what we found is that uh, Bock emission, the emission of such compounds increased when Faxinus plants were grown in impermeable pavements compared to control. So what may have caused these changes in plant physiology and metabolism? A perfect candidate can be soil moisture. Uh, I said to you before that before tree establishment, all paved treatments had higher soil moisture compared to control. Clearly, after tree establishment, uh, transpiration started to impact soil water balance. And we noticed a progressive decline uh, in soil moisture availability, particularly at 20 centimeters below grade uh, in the impermeable treatment probably because the lower amount of water that can infiltrate uh, the impermeable uh, treatment uh, during rainfall uh, has them the rehydration um, of water which, is, uh, which has been transpired. And this resulted in a progressive decline uh, of soil moisture in the shallow soil layer uh, which was observed in the impermeable pavement. However, uh, soil moisture availability remained above the wilting point. And if we look to soil moisture availability at 45 centimeters below grade, we can see that there is not a big difference, a significant difference between impermeable uh, pavements and control. More striking is the uh, measurement which resulted from the measurement of CO2 efflux. Uh, we found that after tree establishment, uh, the efflux of CO2 from soils covered with impermeable pavements increased steeply. 
which did not occur in other treatment, indicating that the amount of CO2 uh, which is produced by soil and root respiration uh, cannot properly diffuse in the atmosphere if uh, the soil is covered with impermeable pavements and accumulates in the soil. Well, studies have shown that elevated soil CO2 uh, can feedback impact uh, root metabolism, in particularly uh, down-regulating the succinate dehydrogenase activity, uh, which is the activity of an enzyme uh, highly uh, related to root respiration activity and growth. So did this, can this have practical consequences on tree growth? And this is what my students are asking during uh, a field trip to the experimental uh, field. Well, these are very preliminary results obtained by Georada. We still need to work on this data, but this is a, a root density heat map uh, obtained by GPR scanning, which allowed us to reconstruct the root system of the different trees. Uh, actually, we realized that the root plate radius um, varied between 160 and 240 centimeters, uh, depending on the species and the treatment. So in Fraxinus, the roots extended for about 20 times dBh, while in Celtis, unfortunately, uh, roots expanded uh, further, but they reached the, the, the plastic barriers limiting uh, the plots and they started circling. So uh, an accurate estimation of the root expansion in Celtis uh, is not possible. What we realized by, by GPR scanning is that it's very difficult to separate roots uh, of different trees which overlapped in the central part uh, of the plot. However, results from GPR indicate quite consistently in both species that uh, the root count by GPR decreased uh, in paved uh, treatments and the largest decrease was observed uh, for plants growing in asphalt. Uh, also, GPR revealed that uh, roots of trees growing in paved sites were somehow shallower compared to roots of control trees. Um, however, we found some bias in the accuracy uh, at which the GPR can identify rooting depth uh, in our experiment. Really interestingly, uh, we found that also fire roots are highly affected by the presence of pavements. Uh, this is the case of Celtis, and uh, we can see that in the impermeable treatment, Celtis roots were mostly confined in the uh, unpaved planting pit. Um, you can see that fine roots are really concentrating them. You can also uh, see looking at this picture where the planting pit was, while in other treatments, fine roots were really spread everywhere under the pavement. 
Similarly, uh, in Fraximus, uh, we realized that, but these are also very preliminary data which need to be confirmed by further measurement, that Fraximus growing on asphalt had less absorbing roots per unit woody roots. So uh, that plants growing on asphalt had a lower amount of absorbing surface compared um, to that of the other treatments. Conversely, above ground growth was poorly affected by pavement. Um, only species affected DBH growth, as you can see in this picture, with Chelties growing uh, twice faster compared to Fraximus. Shoot growth was affected by pavements only in Fraximus. And in this case, we can see that uh, Fraximus plants growing on permeable pavements had longer shots compared to other treatments, probably because of higher moisture availability. But the overall uh, expansion of the canopy as indicated by the drip lane area uh, was not uh, affected by pavements. Uh, it's striking, however, how Chelties grew faster compared to Fraximus. Seven years after planting, uh, average DBH in Chelties was about 15 centimeters, uh, and drip line area was about 12 square meter. DBH in Fraximus was half compared to Chelties, and its drip line area was one third of that of Chelties. So Chelties uh, is really a plastic species capable of adapting and providing high benefit uh, in all paved sites. However, Chelties is also uh, one of the species which is uh, more likely to damage pavement. We counted the frequency of uh, damage occurring to pavements and uh, we realized that uh, permeable and porous pavement were those uh, displaying the highest occurrence of damage. We realized, however, that uh, most of damages occurring to porous pavement uh, occurred very early after the construction. And they are probably not likely due to root uh, conflicts, but rather to water infiltrating in the pavement and freezing. And icing, de-icing cycles led to cracking of the pavement and uh, progressive damage. So uh, if uh, this kind of root independent damage was removed from the calculation, you can see that damage occurring to porous pavement were pretty much similar to that recorded in impermeable pavements and both, both treatments um, were consistent to the amount of shallow roots observed in control. So in conclusion, eight years of measurement revealed small and species-specific effects on tree physiology because of pavement. So uh, in my mind, from the tree perspective, a high quality soil has uh, a much greater importance uh, than the pavement itself. However, Every time we lay an impermeable pavement, we reduce the evaporation of soil water, and this can trigger the urban tile effect. About the trees, 
a preliminary analysis with GPR, ground penetrating radar, revealed that uh, plants growing uh, under asphalt had less roots and uh, in particular had less fine roots compared to other pavement types and control. Uh, conversely, above ground growth was very little affected by pavement. So um, the hypothesis that we have now is that uh, pavements may alter root to shoot ratio, thus uh, promoting an ABA signaling uh, to the leaves, which limited carbon assimilation uh, by the imposition of a mesophyll limitation to photosynthesis. We are carrying out more activities. Um, right now, uh, over the last month, we did a lot of root studies to confirm this hypothesis. We used sonic tomography, uh, arborelics to detect root density. We used two different arrangements of the transmitter of the sound because we, we feel that a radial arrangement such as that uh, you see on the left uh, may not allow a very good description of the root system because uh, there are large gaps among uh, in between the direction of sounding. Conversely, a grid arrangement of sensor look more promising. Something else we realize from arboradics is that pavement really affect uh, the speed of sound. And so there is a need of calibrating when working on different pavements. To do this, we are conducting an arboradics measurement before and after removing the pavement. In mid-October, we uh, started removing the pavement. That was a big work, but allowed us to um, remove the, the whole pavement, the top and the subgrade, and to perform sampling of tree roots uh, to carry out uh, the analysis of mycorrhiza associated to roots and to identify how the pavement can affect uh, mycorrhizal colonization. This activity will be done uh, in cooperation with the University of Pisa. And finally, in cooperation with CIRAD, which is a French research uh, center, last week we hired a suction excavator and we started pulling out uh, the soil from the root system. So to expose the root system uh, in order to allow uh, a scanner with laser LIDAR scanning to the roots um, to identify uh, with laser all root attributes. Of course, we also conducted uh, hand measurements uh, and we measured a lot of attributes uh, about the different root system. And we tried to pull them out uh, of the soil. Unfortunately, this was impossible uh, with Celtis, which could withstand uh, a force of about three tons even after all the major roots were severed, artificially severed, uh, but we could do with Fraxinus. So we could see uh, entire root system of Fraxinus plants and we could scan um, with laser scanning also after removal. So we will have 
a lot of new data uh, in the next months to work on. A lot of work has been done. A lot of work uh, is still waiting to be done, but we are a good team. And uh, um, yeah, we really want to thank the Tree Fund for the opportunity uh, that it provided us to conduct this long-term research with two grants, a Jack, Kimmel, a Jack Kimmel grant and a research fellow grant. Uh, we are doing eight years of such research and really grateful to the Tree Fund and to you all for your attention.